Welcome to Launchpad, the unique radio show and podcast that celebrates new book releases and the authors that created them. Now, let's take off with your host, Grace Salmon. This is Launchpad. We're so glad that you're with us today. This is episode 30 with Shelley Blanton-Stroud, Laura L. Engel, Anne-Marie Jackson, and Sandra L. Young. Most of us are on camera today. Laura Engel just had surgery, and we thought it was in her best interest that she not feel badly about um, how she may or may not look. We think she looks fabulous, but we are so happy to have her with us today. This show Thank is being, you. thanks, Laura. We are being recorded in front of a live audience. So if you are joining us live today, please feel free to ask questions, make comments. We'd love to have you as part of the conversation. Because in this episode, episode 30, we have memoir and murder, messages and sightings from the hereafter, poignant stories of tough choices, the joy of self-discovery, and solving some riddles of the heart. This episode is sure to have you adding to your TBR list just as you're finding your next great author. We're so happy to have people who are watching us today, and thank you. And on behalf of Mary Helen Sheriff, the author marketing coach, we're so glad that you're with us today. Let's just jump right in with a quick introduction. We've got Shelley Blanton Stroud with her new um, historical fiction, <coughs> Poster Girl. Laura L. Engel with her memoir, You'll Forget This Ever Happened. Anne-Marie Jackson with her fiction, The Broken Hummingbirds. And last but not least, with Sandra L. Young and her two books that she's going to talk about today, Divine Vintage and Divine Dramatic. We do have a little bit of feedback, so I hope that that um, isn't bothering listeners too much. So thanks uh, for hanging in with us. And those people who are listening, um, thank you so much. Uh, Shelly, let's jump right in with you. Tell us about your book, Poster Girl. All right. This is Poster Girl right here. Um, well, this is the third in the Jane Benjamin trilogy, and they're all meant to be entertainment. They're historical mysteries set between the Great Depression through World War II. Um, when I write these books, I really want you to be detecting who committed the murders, why they committed them, and being thrilled by Jane's sense of humor, as well as her naughty chutzpah. Sometimes I want you to feel a little bit scared too. So all of that is true. But it's not the only thing about this book or about the three books, Copy Boy, Tomboy, and Poster Girl. Because underneath it all, I really want to explore the history of ambitious women, not to glorify their successes, but to consider the sometimes dangerous choices they've got to make to balance the drive to achieve against the often equally powerful drive to nurture and connect, which is something my protagonist struggles with. As it turns out, 80 years ago, it was even harder than it is today to have it all. So in Poster Girl, the first real life Wendy the Wilders step into roles originally held always by men and chaos ensues. I love that. We're in for chaos. <laughs> Fabulous. Laura L. Engel, with your You'll Forget This Ever Happened, a memoir. Tell us about it. Well, my, my memoir is about the deepest, darkest secret in my life. And uh, it was a book that I never dreamed that I would write. I 
I always wanted to write a book, but it was not going to be about this story. Um, my story is about myself. When I was a 17-year-old girl, found myself pregnant, ended up in an unwed mother's home in New Orleans, Louisiana in 1967. And um, I lived there for five months. I worked and lived there, got to know all the girls, um, had quite an experience. It was very traumatic, needless to say. And uh, my first son was born. I had to relinquish him for adoption, which was um, one of the hardest things in my life and something that I chose to never speak about because I couldn't. I couldn't talk about this experience um, without reliving it. And so I pushed it down, down, down. Well, my son found me in 2016 through Ancestry DNA. It was the most joyous, wonderful experience of my life. And my husband suggested that I write about it. And I said, oh, no, I can't write about that. It's too painful. Well, um, I started writing about it in my journal. And one thing led to another. I started taking classes in memoir. Um, and I ended up creating a book out of the story, which has uh, been one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done in my life. So um, I'm just happy to be here today and talk about my book. Well, writing does indeed change our lives in profound ways, and we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Anne-Marie Jackson, The Broken Hummingbird, tell us all about it. Thank you, Grace. It's a pleasure to be here. The Broken Hummingbird is a story of an American couple in the middle of a marital crisis who are make this decision to move to their favorite city of Rhode San Miguel de Allende, Mexico. And they've always dreamed of living there. But wherever you go, there you are, right? So of course they bring their problems with them. The main character is the wife, Jane. She is this successful driven person, but disintegrating marriage is a problem she can't seem to fix. The book really wrestles with both marital dissolution and cultural dissonance as we follow this woman's struggle to truly know her new country and her own heart. And there is an important secondary storyline as well. Um, in San Miguel, out of a desire for distraction from her own troubles, as well as a sincere urge to help, Jane gets involved with a nonprofit that serves families living in poverty. But she gets overly wrapped up in a particular family's life and soon comes to suspect that maybe for her bumbling efforts to help are actually causing more harm than good. So this book was about looking in a really clear-eyed way for efforts to help others. I absolutely believe we should be out there in the world trying to make a difference. But sometimes, like women, we need to learn to help better. And we'll talk about some of your the work that you do um, on your own as well. Um, I would like that. That would be great. I will say that uh, we're having more feedback than normal. So if people um, don't have headsets on and can find headsets without too much effort, it would be great to add some headsets uh, to our podcast so that um, our sound is a little crisper. But I am so excited about each of these stories. Sandy L. Young, tell us about Divine Vintage and Divine Dramatic. Hi, Grace. Everyone's book sounds wonderful. Mm -hmm. And uh, Divine Vintage is the first in a series of three. 
it wraps dual timeline romances around ghostly historical mysteries and vintage fashion. <laughs> and in this debut, a vintage shop owner models an Edwardian trousseau gown and it opens her mind to see a hundred year old murder, but she sees it differently than what local history says. So she pulls together the uh, handsome but skeptical descendant of the accused murderer and together they find they can both really see into the past to try to determine who really murdered the bride and as emotions from the past seem to be pulling them together well they also derail the relationship mm -hmm. now vintage fashion is my brand i'm here in my vintage room and if anyone's interested in seeing pictures of some of the actual clothing in the book for my collection it's at sandrayoungauthor.com my website and FYI, Divinely Dramatic releases February 5th. It's the sequel. And that one's set in the chaos and fun of community theater, same genre mix, grumpy sunshine romance for that one. And they all have a women's fiction journey too. And it, the series wraps in late summer with the ghostly diva. And they're all with the Wild Rose Press. So I'm going to go back to Shelley. You both, both Shelley and Sandra mentioned chaos and murder. So, <laughs> so let's just go with that theme. Shelley, tell us more and comment on why yeah. chaos and murder. Yeah. Well, um, it's I have kind of a two pronged feeling about the writing I do. First of all, you know, as I alluded to before, there is the chaos and murder. But there's also themes that travel through all of my books that are, uh, you know, more important to me related to, you know, women's ambition and so on, and how it's so hard to handle the competing interests in any woman's life, and especially so historically. The murder and chaos part of it is that, frankly, I've always loved a really good literary mystery. Those are really my favorite pleasurable reads you know I just can gobble them up and disappear into them and so it made sense when I began writing to write in that way because one of the things I love about a murder mystery is that I love the sense of revelation like I love when I'm a reader to see something and think wait wait I think that might mean oh my gosh, that's what it means. I love that sense of revelation. And I also love it as a writer. I love to be able to say, if this is going to happen, how can I plant the seeds as I go through to make it authentic and whole to arrive at that place? And then half the time, when I lay all those clues and arrive at that place, I think, ah, that's not who did it after all. And I have to start all over again. But the, the murder and chaos is really about um, my own drive to be entertained with challenge and uh, detective, detective thinking of my own as a reader and, and uh, really wanting um, the test, the physical and dangerous test my uh, protagonist face to be a test of her character too, to give her an opportunity to mess up and change as a result of those dangerous opportunities. Oh, I, I love mm -hmm. that. Laura, in your book, it's it's very different. Shelley just talked about, if you will, plot points and wanting to um, craft a, a novel that, you know, has, as I said, plot points. But in your life, it, your book is a memoir. How did you pick how you unrolled your story? Well, that's an interesting question because that was one of my concerns. 
I, I'm a huge reader and um, I always, always um, love to read books that have this um, sense of intrigue or what's going to happen next. And I like books that I want to, to immediately, um, you know, turn the page. So I wanted my memoir not to be a book that just sounded like, uh, oh, first I did this, then I did that, and this happened to me, and oh, blah, blah, blah. So I I started writing my book almost as if it was fiction, but it, it wasn't, of course. It was very true. Um, I felt like if I could create a sense of what's going to happen next, the same way I felt during that time when it was happening to me, that the reader would be able to enjoy that. And um, and I apologize for this feedback because I do have a headset on, <laughs> but um, sorry for that. Anyway, um, what I was going to say is that um, another thing that was tough for me is I was taking a story that started in 1967 and going all the way to present day, which was really difficult because in a memoir, you're taking a, a, a specific time in your life and writing about it and how it affected you and the arc of your character during that time. Well, I took part two, which I actually had to take out 20,000 words, if you can believe that, from the first draft, because part two was actually my favorite part to write. And, and so what I ended up doing is... Um, I ended up taking every 10 years on my son's birthday, I would say what was happening that decade in a very brief way, but a way that explained my life and that I had never forgotten this son. And he was always there with me. And it turned out to be a fabulous way of doing that. So I'm so glad that I did it that way. And um, yeah, it's, it's, um, it was successful to do it that way. And it is successful. I've actually had the privilege of reading your book. And I would uh, tell you that I had to remind myself it was memoir. It, the characters very much Thank become you. characters. And I'm going to suggest you actually unplug your headset and see if that makes it any better. Um, okay. I'm sure you're the culprit in the group, but uh, we're going to see um, if unplugging your headset and just going to regular um, mic works better. Anne-Marie, yes. um, you talk about the importance of your characters and yourself to be involved in um, community service in, in the broadest yes. sense, the giving back. Um, yes. Why is that so important for you to share that story that way? Well, I live in an incredible community in the middle of Mexico. And there is actually a very large expat population here. And with that, of course, some drawbacks. We've given up the prices for a lot of things and made this town much more expensive than it used to be. But we've also given back a lot, and that is incredibly important to me. And again, I'm sorry about this feedback too. Um, and I personally have been involved in a couple different nonprofits that mean the world to me. Um, one of them I co-founded and it's a micro-lending organization for women called Mano Amiga. And it really is incredible what an impact it can have on a woman's life to receive a little bit of money and a little bit of support when they're trying to launch a business to support their family. And I love that work. I was also for a number of years the vice president of an organization called Casita Linda. And it's very similar to Habitat for Humanity. 
We build houses for families living in extreme poverty. We're about to build our 150th house, which is an incredible milestone. And I think that being involved in this volunteerism has been my gateway into this other culture, into this other community. And it's been incredibly powerful for me. And living here and being part of this other community has also impacted my writing enormously because it's made me sort of a student of the small differences that matter. Um, when I'm in any situation, I'm always wondering what might I be interpreting? What seemingly small inconsequential difference in the culture could actually be very meaningful and really impact relationships. So I hope that that attention to detail comes through in my writing now. Well, thank you for that. And I, you know, we're going to have comments that will go back and forth. Um, so if people didn't get all of that, um, Anne-Marie, I'm sure we'll share some of the links to what she has shared in the comments later. And I see from our comments, people are so happy that they're here, that your books sound wonderful, and that there's an interest in reading many of them. Sandy Young, you talked about the idea of vintage is your brand. Can you share how that developed for you? And please tie it back to your novels as well. Well, I'm a longtime theater performer, you know, decades worth of community theater. And I started wearing costumes, of course, and just became enamored of it and started collecting back in the good old days when it was pretty cheap and nobody knew what <laughs> was or cared. And uh, now it's worth a lot more money. And through the years, I was just picking things up, either wear on the street, you know, uh, or in theater and special events. And then eventually when I, I retired early and I was in nonprofit work, I was working for a community foundation. I ran a healthy community initiative. So I really understand where, you know, Emory's coming on. I still do a lot of volunteerism and nonprofit work and social justice is, you know, issues are important to me, but uh, the vintage fashion just was real, really a big deal. And I just collected a lot and enjoyed it. And when it came down to becoming an author and learning, oh, I need a brand, <laughs> that and performing have so, so enriched my life. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it's such fun things to wrap around. And so I always wear vintage looks, you know, it's a beautiful pin that a friend gave me when I do any kind of presenting or go out in the community because I love to present and such. And uh, so, yeah, I'm just wrapping my hobbies around all of these different genres. And I forgot there's a social justice aspect in all of my books too. You're probably like, Ooh, what a, what a mix, but uh, <laughs> readers thankfully say everything works really well. You know, I've got, the, I've got that balance, but um, homelessness is one of the, one of the themes in Divine Vintage, uh, a veteran with PTSD and homeless. And, uh, you know, Divinely Dramatic has a young boy who's leaving an abusive home, run away. So anyway, all of that kind of ties back though, that passions, it's passions that we as authors bring into our books, whether we're doing memoir like Laura or whatever we're writing, we are present in mm -hmm. our books. I absolutely agree with that. And Laura, um, it, because yours is a memoir, you're uh, distinctly um, present in your book. What was it like to tell your story and have your community and your family uh, react to that? Um, what, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Oh, good. Oh, good. Um, well, that that's interesting because it was 
very frightening for me to write this book. Mm -hmm. As I told you, it was a huge secret. My other children, I have uh, other three other sons and two stepchildren, and they did not know this story. Mm-hmm. They were um, foremost in my mind when I was writing it. What are they going to think? Because I, I, I was so ashamed of what had happened. It was something that had caused such grief in my life and such a, a hard thing. Because back in those days, women had no voice, no choice. Young women like myself were just, we were actually children. And it was just so difficult for us to talk about that. And we were told, don't talk about it. This is, you know, such a horrible thing. Do not discuss it. Do not talk about it. I actually went to therapy a couple of times for other things and never mentioned to the therapist what had happened to me. I did not think of myself as a victim. And so to put all this out on the page was pretty intense. The most beautiful part of this was that after I told this story, I was met with so much love and acceptance by, first of all, my children, which meant the most to me. Oh, and by the way, I forgot to mention, my husband did know about what had happened. So when my son came into my life, it was a wonderful thing because he knew what was happening and he knew how overjoyed I was. It was not a huge surprise to him. Um, but it was, it was kind of scary, but once I did put it out there, I learned a valuable lesson. I learned that we hold in a lot of things that we feel only happen to us and they don't just happen to us. We all have things in our life that we're ashamed of or, or that we're afraid to mention to others. But once you do, it's amazing the love and acceptance that comes your way. And what has come from this is that I've been speaking to adoptee groups and to uh, birth mother groups, and I've gotten so much fulfillment from that because I've learned not only was it not my story I wrote, it was millions of other young women's stories. And it has helped adoptees, you know, because the adoptees often wonder what happened to their mother, their birth mother, and what their circumstances might have been. So it, it's been a, a, a great thing. Something that I was ashamed of has turned into a beautiful thing. Oh, I'm so glad that that happened for you. Um, carrying around that shame had to be incredibly difficult. Shelly, I want to go to you because um, Laura was talking about how women had, you know, no choices in those days. And that's certainly a, a theme of your book, No Choices and Dangerous Choices. Yeah, um, part a lot in Poster Girl and in my other novels relates to secrets and which secrets are revealed and which are concealed and why make those choices. And you know, to connect very directly to what Laura was just describing, um, we have a, a character in Poster Girl, Ines Burns, who's a real life uh, historical figure she was called the a Society Abortionist of San Francisco. And she uh, was a practitioner of abortions in that time period, like late 20s, 30s, and the 40s. And um, she apparently did, had 50,000 patients. And she was a very wealthy woman and um, apparently was the leading practitioner in California of abortions. 
And a big part of the secret and the danger is that in 1942, um, when this novel is set, if you're an ambitious woman, it's very hard to picture yourself also being a single mother. And so there are dangerous choices. And part of the danger isn't just the procedure, it's the what will happen to the secret that you have committed to that procedure to an abortion. What happens to you if that secret gets out? And what happens to your career traje trajectory? So the danger reveals itself in very, very different ways. And this is one of them. Okay. Anne-Marie, um, moving from that a little bit to the idea that um, it's just scary to launch a book. <laughs> what has your experience been in launching your book? I've actually had a great time. Um, of course, there was some fear going into it. How is the world going to receive this story? But um, I've been receiving so much support and love throughout the journey. I did a full city book tour in the States and then came home to Mexico and had a wonderful lunch party here and have gotten nothing but support. So thank you to everyone. Well, you've had a very successful launch and people can follow you online and just hear and see all of the uh, fabulous things uh, that you have done. As The party looked very fun. <laughs> <laughs> we had a good time. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Sandy, uh, one of the themes of your book is solving riddles of life, I think. So Sandy, talk about um, how, why you picked that slant. Well, I think that we, we just, uh, you know, we talked about mysteries before with Shelley and, and I think part of it is just always, yes, wanting to uncover something new and everyone uh, has their past to take and, you know, where will they lead us and giving people an opportunity. You know, part of what this series really for me is, is, is very much escapism reading. Too. I mean, it is written to be a lighter, fast pace, even though it's got, even though it's got some serious issues with it. And, um, you know, I think that's uh, that's just part of the journey of life, though, too, is that you have your your up times, you have your down times, you have your challenges, mm -hmm. your smooth roads. And what I guess I try to work on is keeping that conflict in the plot and everything, you know, clipping along, as you said, want to get your readers clipping along, but reflecting just some experiences that people Maybe they've not lived them, but they can either relate in some way, hopefully to the characters or something that's happening. Or again, I'm just happy if I think that people have had some little bit of joy and release when they sit down and read the book. It's been such a delight just to um, have those escapes. I think we've all uh, loved so many books for that exact reason, Sandy. Thank you. Because some books are heavier. I mean, if, if someone reads Laura's, I'm sure, you know, that's going to pack a punch there. Um, mm -hmm. Mine, not as much. Uh, and, you know, that's intentional, but it doesn't take away either from anything any of us are writing. You know, there are readers for all of our books, readers that, that love, you know, love all these various things. So we persevere and, you know, try to get it out there for those who will appreciate what we're doing. Excellent comment. And amazingly, we're almost out of time. So I want to quickly go around and ask a question 
that's either how have your characters changed you or how has the book writing process changed you? Shelley, let me start with you and we can focus again on Poster Girl, but tell us how that has changed you and your characters have changed you. Well, first of all, just so literally that um, writing of the trilogy, Copy Boy, Tomboy, Poster Girl, aligned with stepping down from, I was teaching writing at Sacramento State University for 34 years and I retired. And so my life, there's a real juncture there right around the pandemic from the teaching life to the writing life. And it's been a great, great joy. I, I myself, you know, to use the term poster girl, I'd like to be a poster girl for the idea that you're not done yet that there are many chapters in your life and you can keep reinventing and refining the way you shape your life so that you're the protagonist of your own life. And I would also say about Jane, who honestly, Jane, um, my protagonist, feels a little bit like my naughty, naughty daughter who causes me to lose so much sleep because she behaves badly. So a lot of times I started out thinking, oh, my gosh, Jane, what are you doing now? You know, being annoyed at her behavior. And now as the years have gone on and I finished out the three books, I'm really quite inspired by her because she doesn't always do the best, safest thing. She takes risks, and I am very risk averse. And so I have learned from my protagonist to lighten up a little bit and not worry about potential failure quite so much. Just make the leap over the gorge and hope that I land on the other side. A wise lesson for all of us. Anne-Marie uh, Jackson with The Broken Hummingbird. Tell me, how has writing changed you? Well, there's just so much power in sharing our stories. Um, and my story actually started out as memoir, and it was very therapeutic to write that story, to put it out there. But it was also limiting because there were people I was trying to protect, namely my children, but also others. And so when I switched to fiction, that was incredibly liberating because then anything could happen and, and did. Um, but even so, even telling it through the lens of fiction, there's still a power in just sharing our stories and, and having them out there for the world and no longer having anything that you feel like you need to protect or hide. Now you hold it in your way. And that is a powerful, powerful thing. And oh. Shelly, I've just been enjoying the fact that we both have protagonists named Jane. There's oh. something about <laughs> making making connections on Launchpad. Yes. Laura, how has changed? How has it changed your life? I think you've given us a little bit of insight into that. So just quickly, how has yes, it, it's actually helped me to um, be my my authentic self, because once I told my truth, I was free. And I could talk about it. I talked about my entire life, not just the the rest of the life that had been wonderful, but the part that had been painful and that I had risen above it. And I had never looked at it that way until I started writing it. And then I realized I I have come a long ways and I was proud of that. And um, to be able to tell the world has really freed me to be my authentic self and to encourage others to do the same thing. So it's been wonderful. I'm so glad I wrote it. This is such an inspiring show for me. Sandy Young, last but not least, with your Divine Vintage and Divine Dramatic, Sandra L. Young, tell us how this has changed you. 
writing has really broadened my world and I'm very connected locally. My books are actually set in our community, which is Lake Michigan area. And um, I, so I have a lot of connections. And But once I started writing, suddenly there was the world, the world of other authors and mainly online like this, but you get to know so many other authors. And right now my fourth historical fiction whip is out with a critique group that's international. Somebody in Australia is reading it, Britain. It's just incredible, the connections and that kind of broadening. And then I've been out in my community so much reconnecting because I retired early to write. So I think writing has really just brought this whole new exciting aspect. And I love the words, I love the books, but then the meeting and the connections is just the ultimate for me as a writer. Well, I am thrilled to know each and every one of you, your works, your community works, what you've done and connected to other people's. If you have your book, please, Shelley Blanton Stroud, Poster Girl, and Anne-Marie Jackson, The Broken Hummingbird, Laura Ingall, You'll Forget This Ever Happened and We Know It Will Not, and Sandra L. Young, thank you so much with your Divine Vintage and Divinely Dramatic books. I'm so glad each of you joined us here at the Launchpad. This episode is copyrighted by Grace Salmon and Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Thank you for visiting with us on Launchpad.